everybody. You're listening to Chatting with Candace. I'm your host, Candace Horback. Before we get started on this week's episode, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to chattingwithcandace.com and sign up for our Patreon account. You can get early access to episodes, bonus content, and live monthly AMAs. This week, I'm really excited to have a friend of mine on. His name is Brandon Walker. He has trained over 100 business leaders and salespeople on high performance in life and business. He was the senior VP of sales at a fast-growing tech company called Untapped for five years. And recently, he just started a company called Beanie and Blazer, which is a lifestyle engineering company. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, thanks for joining this week's episode. This week, we have Brandon Walker. Do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Yeah. My name is Brandon Walker. I am the founder and CEO of Beanie and Blazer, which is a lifestyle engineering company that trains aspiring high performers on mindset and habits, helping them achieve their goals. So you left a pretty big position at like a really successful company. So... What would you pinpoint as like the main trigger that kind of like led you to wanting to like go off on your own when you had something that was like cushy and like, I guess, reliable, whereas obviously like having a startup is terrifying for a lot of people? Yeah, I spent five years, it was the first five years of my career at Untapped. We did a lot of really cool stuff. The company grew like a weed during the time that I was there. So I was the eighth employee. And by the time I left, we had about 115, 120 people. And so there were a few different factors that played into me deciding it was time for me to go try something new and go on my own. The primary one is that we actually exited the company earlier this year. And so some of the initial entrepreneurs and team that I had started building with went to go take on other projects and left. So some of those relationships just were no longer the same at Untap. Not that there's anything bad about that. And then I've always, especially on the back of COVID, like thinking a lot about my values and what's really important. I, for me, knowing that I really wanted to create something of my own and have more independence over my time and what I'm working on, it just felt like the right time to take the leap of faith and go build something of my own. So I just started that book, The Coddling of the American Mind. Yeah. It's so good so far. So one of the – they have like three basic untruths, they call them, that kind of like led to our society and like our mindset or at least a lot of what you see happening right now and like the whole like victim culture and like just identifying with like more of your problems than like your triumphs. So one of the biggest untruths was always trust your feelings. So they were saying that basically that's a really big misstep because if you have like depression or anxiety, right? Like those are your feelings. And if you were to trust those, you would go into like a really bad negative loop. So you have to be able to like separate yourself from your feelings. But then I feel like that can get confusing because intuition is such like a big part of being an entrepreneur or just like success in general. So how would you distinguish between like intuition and feelings? Damn, great question. (laughs) So I think uh, the important differentiation is like, okay, these feelings that I have right now. So intuition, although it's, it's a gut feeling, it still is a feeling, right? It's an emotion. This doesn't feel right. This feels Mm -hmm. like sketchy or whatever those instincts are that crop up. And so I think the first step is to try and unpack like why that feeling exists 
for you in that moment? Is it an avoidance of pain? Like, is there something that you're scared of that maybe is a trigger for you that you're trying to move away from? Is there something that's really exciting and is in alignment with your values and you just feel really strongly that there's something about this person or this opportunity that stands out? And so I think when you take the time to, instead of reacting immediately, to really process like, okay, why does this make me feel the way that it does? That helps give some clarity into, am I moving towards this thing because of something positive for myself or am I moving away from or towards something negative for Mm -hmm. myself? I think that's a good way to differentiate between like good decision-making and bad decision-making without being insanely logical about it, like trusting your gut a little. That's what I was going to say because if you do that, I guess everything's like in moderation because if you overdo that, then you can get into like analysis paralysis, right? Where you're like creating a list and then you kind of just took away that whole advantage of having like said gut feeling or intuition. It was like a very fine line as to like knee jerk reaction and then also like unpack. I totally, yeah, it's a spectrum, right? Yeah. You have like 100% logical on this side, 100% emotional on this side. I think the truth lives somewhere in the middle or like mm-hmm. the optimized way of doing it. And so, for example, one of the quick like back of the napkin tests that I make when I'm making a decision is what is the best case scenario out of this? What is the worst case scenario of decision A versus decision B? So like most people do pros and cons lists Mm -hmm. and and it pushes you to the median because you think about on an average day, staying in this job is going to look like this, 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 and this. Really what you should be thinking about is, okay, if I stay untapped, Best case scenario is the company does really well. I'm financially successful. I have a cool title, cool status, whatever in this company. Worst case scenario is I sacrifice the next five, seven years of my career and don't go do stuff like entrepreneurially that I really want to do. Whereas starting Beanie and Blazer, best case scenario, hugely financially successful and get to make a positive impact on a lot of people. Worst case scenario, I go broke and have to find a new job. And so when I can quickly weigh those things against each other, it makes the decision a lot easier, even though it's not necessarily logical. I think it's also important to have like a specific skill set because then you have that to fall back on, right? So I can't think of the exact person, but essentially like the thought is if you're confident in your skills to be able to like make a certain amount or like recoup whatever your financial losses are, then you're more like app to take those risks. And like, it's just financial, right? Like Eric always says that money's like a boomerang, which is like helps calm me down a lot more because I'm a lot more rigid with our finances. And he's a lot more like, he's like into taking like these really big risks. Right. Like it's fine. If we lose it, it'll come back. He just, he just has like this like unwavering faith in that. But I think if you can say like, no, I'm confident that I can like build a team or I'm like a valuable asset to a company, then you can take those bigger risks. It's not as scary, I guess, because you have that confidence. Yeah, there is definitely a level of confidence that like, I'll just fucking figure it out. Like, I think what my biggest skill in business is, is selling Mm -hmm. and like, you know, marketing and selling myself or a product or an idea. And that's something that can translate across other, like at the end of the day, if Beanie and Blazer doesn't work, I can still sell stuff and be okay. Mm -hmm. But I do really want like, as an entrepreneur, I want this business and this idea and this team to work. Although I have tons of confidence in it. I've never done a lot of that stuff before, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Would you say that there was like, it goes back into the intuition. Would you say there was a lot of like serendipity or like moments of serendipity? Like when you decided to finally like branch out on your own? 
Because when, at least from my perspective, like certain like relationships that you met and like certain supporters that kind of like led into this transition, I'm like, man, that's really cool. It just kind of happened, which I know it didn't just happen, but from like the outside. No, it, yeah. I mean, honestly, a lot of it did just happen. So Eric and I, Eric being your husband, <laughs> we both took this online program called Zero to Dangerous. And so during that program, you get introduced to a flow coach. So you had Dr. Brett Hogarth on. He was Eric's coach in the program. My coach in the program was a guy named Dr. Chris Bertram, who is uh, has a PhD in kinesiology. He used to be the director of human performance at a performance center up in Canada. He is the Olympic flow coach for the Canada snowboarding team. Like the dude is just amazing and, and incredible. And so he and I built this relationship throughout that program. And since then, he's become something of an advisor partner to Beanie and Blazer, like guiding me on the curriculum that we're developing and the programming. That all struck from just taking this course. Never was going to meet that guy. Then other things that had popped up, I had this idea for the phrase lifestyle engineering. I was on a run one day. I was like, I love that to describe what Beanie and Blazer does. So I went home, I Googled it and found this community called Lifestyle Engineering. And in that community, I met Matt Thomas, who you've had on the podcast. I met Renat, who it's, I think you're gonna be on. Yeah, this week, yeah. Awesome, gonna be on his podcast. And so just by like the natural nudging myself outside of the untapped Wilmington ecosystem, it's already started to create these like wheels of relationships that I didn't know these people existed, but two months ago. So I believe in free will and I also believe in like destiny. I think that they both can coexist. And I think it's almost like there's like a certain amount of possibilities and then that's where free will comes in. So my theory is once you're like on your path, like your destiny, if you will, and that's like when things just start like kind of happening, like serendipitously, is that a word? Yeah. (laughs) But like, that's when like these like moments start happening where like, man, like if I didn't do this one thing, all of these amazing things wouldn't have kind of like stemmed off of it. I also think part of that is like being authentic, like having a sense of like who you really are and not, just kind of drifting through life. So how would you say that like authenticity has impacted like your growth as a human? Damn, you have some fire. (laughs) Or I should say, do you feel authentic? Because a lot of people suffer from like imposter syndrome too. So like maybe that's just my perception of you. Well, thank you. So I have this sort of like you talked about free will and destiny. In my mind, there's a, a juxtaposition between influence and manipulation influence and manipulation it uses the same sort of skills of persuasion and getting somebody bought into your idea to me the difference between the two exists in authenticity and like whether you're trying to do equivalent good for you and me or trying to do more good for you than i am for myself whereas manipulation either you're going to be harmed or i'm going to benefit way more than you do it's all anchored in authenticity like Mm -hmm. am i actually trying to bring benefit for you Mm -hmm. so I had this idea a couple of years ago when I was doing the sales stuff at Untap because of the way I wanted us to communicate with customers, how I led and managed my team, how I wanted to be able to look myself in the mirror at night. Like I feel like I've been equipped with the skills to fall on either side of that coin. And I always want to push myself towards influence. Like I've had role models in my life that err on the other side and it feels like yucky to me. Mm-hmm. And so authenticity has been a really integral part of 
my development and trying to figure out exactly like, who am I? How can I be confident in this? What are my values? How do I want to behave? And then doing my best to align with that. But obviously it's always a journey. So like, yeah, I definitely feel imposter syndrome. Like half the time, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And I'm still telling my team like, yep, yep, we're going this way. It's like Lewis and Clark, just keep going due west and we'll get there. But I don't think that having feelings of imposter syndrome makes me or anybody else inauthentic. It's just that feeling of like potential inadequacy and trying to Mm -hmm. cover the ground between those two things, like where I am today and where I need to be for this to work. Mm -hmm. So it's been really important to answer your question. And I still try to do that as much as possible. I would agree with like pretty much all of that. It's always just kind of like an ebb and flow. So like there's moments where you're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And these people are looking to me for answers or you're trying to like com- like build a brand in my case. And you're like, well, I'm still trying to figure out like who I am aside from that brand. And there's other moments where everything is just like kind of clicking and then you have like that confidence. And for me specifically, just because I do a lot that's like public, for me, like my authenticity is like trying not to listen to like the commentators because that's really, really difficult. So it's... I had really good advice like when I first started and it was, you can't take the compliments without the criticism. So you have to just, in my opinion, not take either because if you take any of the criticism, you're like, you're just not going to get out of bed once it gets to a certain amount of um, comments and whatever tweets. So you can't like let the positive things like blow up your ego and your head and you have to kind of like stay grounded and like separate yourself and like know who you are. Otherwise, all these other opinions of yourself are going to influence that. And that's when you start to become like an imposter or unauthentic or whatever. So it's just really living for yourself and like keeping true to like your values and your morals and not letting the mob like try to push you one way or another. That is, I mean, so fortunately or unfortunately, nobody's fucking watching me. So I don't have that problem. (laughs) That's like all 500 people paying attention. (laughs) But I think that's really good advice. It's obvious to say avoid the criticism because you know it's going to hurt and sting. So it feels like I always think you should listen for feedback, but not internalize feedback negatively. Mm-hmm. But on the positive side, you're totally right. Like if you pay attention to that and these people, like the reason you're able to justify not listening to the criticisms because you're like, well, they don't even fucking know me. They don't okay. know this characterization of me in this public persona. Well, that's also true on the compliment side. They only mm-hmm. know a fraction of you. They don't see the the ugly bits that aren't publicized. Totally. And so like, yeah, always having that degree of separation is probably really yeah. healthy. And then I find too, like you we're just like so wired to see like that positive reinforcement. So like we want to see like the likes and the comments and like we just want to see like high engagement and big numbers and constantly growing. So I think if you start to do something, especially in the beginning when you're kind of like trying to discover like what your brand is specifically or what your company is and you're getting all of this feedback, right? And maybe that's not where you want to go, but you're like, ooh, but if I keep doing that, I'm going to get the likes and the engagement and the growth and that's what all these people want to see. And then I think that's when you can also kind of try to like, or when you start to deviate from like maybe yourself. So again, it's just like pushing it all to the side and saying like, I need to like put my earmuffs on and just like go with what I feel is right. That's definitely it. And you and Eric spent some time on the Beanie and Blazer, the Restless to Relentless, the ebook or workbook exercises. And like the reason that I think starting with core personal values is they're broad enough that you can mold 
like mm-hmm. what you're doing to fit within that schema. So long as I continue to seek out adventure, spend quality time with friends and family, I can sort of redefine what that looks like today versus next week versus over the course of a month. And so to your point about like, it can be really loud over here. And it's obvious that if I make this concession to my business, it is going to boost my mm-hmm. vanity metrics. Mm-hmm. But how far does it then like take me away from the values that I'm supposed to uphold consistently? Mm-hmm. And uh, again, since I don't have any customers and haven't gotten to that point yet, I haven't had to sweat that. But I know the time is going to come where I'm going to have a hard decision to make as to... Do we prioritize growth and selling in a certain kind of way and being gimmicky or do we mm-hmm. stick to our values and know it could slow the business? I chose the latter. I'll let you know how it goes. Great. Yeah. I've made like some adjustments with my social media that have 100% stunted my growth, especially on like Twitter. I, I mean, even on Instagram, but there's comparable amount of accounts that are like, like surpassing me, but there's just like certain... I don't know, like rules I kind of give myself that I'm just like not going to break. So I have to like stick with my with my mission and see where it goes. Heck yeah. Yeah. It's I scary. Because it, it's so easy. It's so easy to like do the one that you're going to get that positive reinforcement. The way I try to rationalize it is like when you think about marketing, I don't know why we keep putting things on a spectrum this morning, but <laughs> you have promotional marketing, you have brand marketing. Promotional is like your countdown timers and your squeeze pages and sales loops and all that stuff. Then brand marketing is content and spending a lot of time. This Everybody knows this is a slower burn than this, but this gets short-term results and maybe decays your brand over time. And so if you're deciding to sort of take path of brand marketing instead of promotional marketing or whatever that means to you and your personal brand, you're probably building better, stronger, longer term relationships and those people that are prioritizing the promotional side, but it'll just take longer to manifest. And so it's like, I saw this really cool visual the other day. It's like an exponential graph that's really low, really low, really low, really low. And then it just sort of spikes at the end. And then it has a like a dot right before the precipice where it peaks. And it said, this isn't worth it. Like somebody's saying, it's not worth it. It's not working. And then they would have, you know, if they had stuck to it, um, yeah. it would have worked really well for them. Mm-hmm. Like that three feet to gold saying. Yes, yeah. Exactly. Like giving up when you're like so close. Right yeah. It's patience. We kind of like touched on this a little bit. So one of the other untruths in that book that I mentioned earlier was what doesn't kill you makes you weaker, which is kind of what you see a lot right now is people's aversion to discomfort or aversion to pain or aversion to anything that like they don't necessarily like agree with, want to expose themselves to, whatever challenges them. If someone's like signing up for a beanie and blazer and you see this sort of back when you were managing people for sales, how do you like help someone kind of rewire that thought process of like aversion? This is funny timing because I'm actually in the middle of writing an essay about pain avoidance. Oh really? Um, yeah. yeah <laughs> like I literally have it pulled up on that side right there. So I think Like we talked about earlier, the first step is recognizing that it's happening. Like for me, when I'm avoiding pain, I become complacent. (laughs) I told you about this when I came over for dinner the other night. It's like I sort of freeze and I'll read the entire Harry Potter series in 30 days. Like I did the, that's 4,224 pages (laughs) in 30 days is 201 pages a day or 
I think I, my math is fucked up, but <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I did 21 days for some, whatever. So I freeze and freezing means all of my routines and structures and the self-discipline goes to shit because I'm prioritizing things that are not necessarily terrible for me, but it's just not good for me. It's like stagnant. And when you're trying to build a business, there is no such thing as standing still. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. And so the first step is recognizing like, oh shit, I am avoiding something right now. And it took me a while to get there. It's not like a day one, I saw I was tired. And then I took the time to go on vacation, like take a step back and like, all right, we're good. Recharge, refuel. So the first step is recognizing that like there's something you're avoiding. And so as I was writing this essay, I identified seven ways that it manifests when people are avoiding pain. One is complacency. One is negative self-talk. There's intellectualizing your emotions, perfectionism, lack of focus, and loose boundaries and resisting vulnerability. So like, those are some common, I think, manifestations of people trying to get away from pain Mm -hmm. and struggle. So once you realize it's happening, then I think the ultimate goal is to try and reorient the way that you think about things as I get to do this. Like instead of it being, oh, fuck, I have to get up and work out. It's like, I get to get up and work out because a lot of people can't do that. And if you can actually wire that self-talk to start shifting, I think you start operating from a mindset of abundance instead of scarcity. And that self-confidence perpetuates serendipity and new nodes of relationships. So with that being said, when you were managing all these people at Untapped, what was like the biggest obstacle for success that you would kind of see? Or was there not really like one that kind of stood out universally? Do you mean obstacle for success, like for the company being successful? For the individual, which uh, I, I think oh. turns into the company being successful. Gotcha. So I think I'll speak to what was my biggest point of challenge, I think was... I was constantly struggling with it's not a power thing, but like the buck stops with me and owning the big decisions and having a seat at the table for that stuff. Like my actual responsibilities versus how I perceived myself in my head were sort of had a deviation and that was really tough for me. Mm-hmm. I think for the people that I manage, so mostly salespeople, I think that the biggest challenge was the job, you sort of become an automaton. So like in the way that we did it, it's you're making a lot of cold calls, you're sending a lot of emails, everything's highly systemized and highly processed. And we hired really talented people, like typically a little bit younger, getting their career off the ground, but insanely talented people. And so being incredibly talented and feeling like you're just operating in a like an assembly line almost, I think is taxing for a lot of people. But I think to their credit for the folks who stuck it out and got the learning experience out of it, it's going to benefit them so immensely as they start their careers. And then do you think that phrase was one bad apple can spoil the bunch? Or do you think that the group can uplift that one negative person? I definitely believe in that expression. I saw it happen over and over again, especially in a setting when it is so tight knit. Like we ran the company and ran the sales team, like a sports team, like a family almost. And so when you have people that are that close, the relationships run way deeper than just being like 
coworkers. Mm-hmm. And so when you have these friendships and Lord knows intimate relationships and whatever else that have unfolded at that level, one person can have a lot of influence over the rest of the group. Can they counter and lift that person up? Sure. But eventually the toxicity will permeate and affect other people. I totally agree with that. So what advice would you give to someone where this is applicable to like daily life, like regular relationships, like friendships, romantic relationships, I guess like maybe spotting it, that kind of a thing? I think one of the most important things in a relationship, whether romantic or a friendship, or it doesn't really matter, but is having strong boundaries and upholding them Mm -hmm. without closing yourself off to being vulnerable. So what that means, again, going back to pain avoidance a little bit, it's like when you set a strong boundary that says, hey, I really love spending time with you, but I have to focus on my business. And so I'm not able to hang out as much as you may want to. Like X amount of my time has to go to work. X amount of time can go to you personally or something like that. If you start moving that benchmark that person is going to like continue to nudge in that direction. And as soon as that boundary is lifted or moved, it's going to be that much harder to put it back into place. Mm-hmm. So there's a concept called entropy and entropy is a law of thermodynamics. It's the only fucking thing I know about thermodynamics and I only know <laughs> it's applicable to a team, but in an environment where everything is left to its own devices, like if a system is left to run on its own, things will inevitably start spreading out and chaos will ensue. People will find new ways to do things. Holes will be created. That's why like standard operating procedures and management calls and all hands meetings are so important to keep the box around things. And so the same is sort of true even in a relationship with just two people. That is still a system. And so if the boundaries are getting moved and shifted, one person's bound to get hurt at some point because you're going to want to have the instinct to just snap it back into place and say, wait, 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 I'm supposed to be spending this much time on work and I'm spending way too much time with you. And that person's going to feel like they're doing something wrong. So anyway, as far as like points of focus in a relationship, I think boundaries are the number one spot to start. That's good advice. I try to do that with a lot of my relationships, but I'm like one that like kind of like slowly buckles and like moves that goalpost a little bit. So I think it's a learning curve. How do you resist doing that? Well, I think having a baby definitely made me a lot more strict with my boundaries because now it like doesn't just affect me. It affects like him. And for me, it's like, oh, well, I can take that. Or like, you know, if it's like a negative relationship or toxic or whatever in whatever way. I'm like, I can handle that. But then with him, I'm like, oh, well, he can't because he's like this little defenseless guy. (laughs) So it's a lot more rigid. So like certain family members, I'll actually put them on like timeout. So like they get blocked and I'm like, listen, you broke the rule. I'm putting you on timeout for 30 days. On day 31, I'll unblock you on everything and we can talk. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm in a lot better now, but before the baby, I would be like, oh, okay, that's just them and just try to like accept their flaws. And I think you have to like have, I don't think you should demand perfection out of anybody. So it goes back to, again, to like a balance, but at the same time, you shouldn't accept things that are like negatively impacting you and your life, regardless if it's like a family member or, you know, a husband or a wife or whatever, like no one should be kind of like bringing you down constantly. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Like, mm-hmm. preach. <laughs> like, 
so I hear so often when I talk about boundaries, people are like, I don't want to be an asshole. Like, like mm-hmm. I don't want to be an asshole. That is not what this is about. Like you can be so delicate and gentle with people's emotions and still be strong as fuck and holding the line on your boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so whether you put people in time, but you never want to try and change people, right? Doesn't like work. people have to change themselves and you can want it all day. But at some point if you, it's like, dad, I love you. We see the world through two different lenses, <laughs> but I'm going to have this relationship with you. I just know like here are the places where we're never going to align on. Gonna accept it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But that being said, just because you're accepting that person for who they are and you create a relationship in that context, you don't deserve for yourself to let them penetrate any of your headspace. Mm-hmm. So if those differences start to like burden you mentally, cognitively, emotionally, or whatever, then you need to either reset boundaries or rethink, reframe the relationship. Mm-hmm. And so to your point, I think it is so important, like, you're not being an asshole by keeping your headspace clear. Mm-hmm. Having clear headspace leaves you open to so much other stuff in the world, positive stuff mm-hmm. that you wouldn't be able to see if you were constantly stressed out, being weighed down by uh, everyone else's opinions and, and mm-hmm. shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. So with Beanie and Blazer, you have like a big emphasis on like adventure. Right. And you do a lot of like nature walking and like that's very important to you. Because I know so many people that like don't even leave their house. And we live in such a digitized world that people forget that there's like grass and waves and (laughs) mountains. And I think that that's like a lot of the imbalance that we're seeing. So I guess like what's an easy thing for someone to do to kind of like reconnect to nature and like what's the importance to you? Eric was actually the one that told me to listen to this guy. Dr. Andrew Huberman had a podcast with Joe Rogan and he talked a lot about how stress impacts the brain and how literally being in nature and expanding your horizon of something like that doesn't have four walls, that doesn't have computer screens and everything else. The act of literally expanding your field of vision in nature has impacts on your ability to like process more information, become more creative, and it floods you with some positive neurochemistry. I don't actually know what the stuff is that's going on in your brain. But I've never even thought about nature from just a neurological perspective. It just brings me peace. I think part of it is because I played in the woods all the time as a kid. And part of it is just going out and seeing a big-ass oak tree and realizing like that thing's probably been here for 200 years. That's crazy. Just having those moments where you're separate from everything and you can just reconnect with whether you're spiritual or religious just something that's bigger than yourself it squishes your ego a little bit gets you some vitamin d and it just places you in a new comfortable safe place a lot of the time and so i think an easy first step is like there's an awesome app called all trails and all trails just has a shit ton of hiking trails. Anywhere you can go to a state park or national forest or anything like that, there are tons of hiking trails. Like, find one and go for a walk. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I wanted to ask, so you're kind of like accepting members essentially. Right now, that's the business model that you're aiming for? Like your membership or how's that working with Beanie and Blazer? So right now, the first product that we're launching is called the Mindset Accelerator. Mm -hmm. And so what that is, is it's a six-week course that's going to be facilitated by me and some of those other partners that I said I've worked like executive coaches and basketball coaches, PhD, Chris. 
And so we're putting this program together to launch the beta in November. Mm-hmm. We're accepting 10 students to that. So there's a whole application and review process that we're running through or running people through now. So the initial business model is once we get through the beta, we'll do cohorts in 2021. So every 10 weeks, we'll do a six-week cohort mm-hmm. where we bring in hopefully more and more students for a six-week program that just goes super deep into values and mindset and habits and how to structure your calendar, how to build a tribe, how to get your family involved in your process and progress. We're going to do one-on-one coaching and small group breakout sessions. And then long-term, I want to build out a membership community of high performers from business, music, arts, athletes, where there's a lot of just value being created by people being being able to pour into one another in an online community with real world events. So with that, when you do like your group events and you have like these small groups, then you have like your VIP and like there's like these live in-person meetings, I guess you'll probably know from like the beginning. So we said earlier, like you can't change people, but I do think like you can maybe inspire someone to maybe have that spark of change. So I guess as like the leader and founder of it, like how do you know the difference between someone who's there to improve and like wanting to change versus someone who maybe like, it's weird because you wouldn't think that someone would spend the time, energy and money to do something if they didn't want to change, but I've seen it happen. So I guess how do you have that filter to make sure that you're like protecting the group? (laughs) Um, That was not an edit clap. (laughs) So for the actual mindset accelerator itself, so let's just pretend, don't pretend it doesn't actually fucking exist. No (laughs) community exists yet, right? For the mindset accelerator, part of it is the ads, like who we are targeting. We are targeting graduate students. We are targeting first-time entrepreneurs. We're targeting people who have a propensity of interest and people that they follow that indicate that they are likely in a position to want to become high performers. Like they're we're looking for people that are at that cusp where they're like, I know I have some potential. I don't totally align with what the world tells me I should believe in, but I don't know what the fuck to do. Like I need somebody to give me some direction, some mentorship. I need a community around me. Those are the people that we want to like pull into our network. So our ads are the first step of filtration. There's an application process, an interview process. And ultimately, who we want to bring in, especially in the beta, if we're lucky enough to have enough applicants that we can be so selective, we want to have a diverse audience of people from not just in terms of like gender or race or anything like that, but in terms of backgrounds and interests and what they're pursuing. Because what I think is so special about what we're doing is you'll never see me run a fucking Instagram ad where I'm talking about how if you sign up for my program, you're going to make an extra 100x from trading this and we're going to make you rich or you're going to have this lifestyle. Like That's not what this is about. What's unique about this is success and fulfillment are derivative of an individual's value system. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is to help them identify what their values are and then give them all this structure and content to go fucking deliver on that. Not me telling you what you should be prioritizing and focusing on. So having that diversity of people with different value systems, because I can't pitch a return on investment that is like, we'll give you 30x your money, you know, you give me three grand, you'll make 30 grand next year. Like you see that shit all the time. I'm never going to be able to do that. 
sort of like you were talking about your brand versus promotional marketing, same deal, right? Mm -hmm. So once we get enough diversity in terms of who has had success with the program, that gives us more collateral to market with. So I don't have to do these gimmicky bullshit Mm -hmm. things to try and get sales through the door. Once the community actually launches, instead of us selling Mindset Accelerator as like this premium $2,000 six-week course that we're doing, we'll probably make it like a $100, $200 program and use it as almost boot camp for people filtering down into the actual community. So if you want to be a paying member of the community, you have to go through all of this and we'll actually track like... How long did it take you to complete a six-week course if everything's pre-recorded? Mm-hmm. What was the quality of your exercises? So I want there to be an actual filtration layer. So once you're in the community, you look around, you're like, holy shit, I actually want to have one-on-ones and masterminds and learn from all these people around me. Mm-hmm. So the weed is already separated from the chaff. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. So where can everyone follow you and keep up with more Beanie and Blazer? Following me personally, Twitter and Instagram, my handle is just at bwalk underscore 12. So B-W-A-L-K underscore 12. I tweet a lot. Instagram, I'm getting better. <laughs> and then go to beanieandblazer.com slash giveaway. That's where we have our ebook and workbook for anybody who's interested in learning about becoming a high performer and Candace went through that experience this oh, past great. weekend. Yeah, it was like our date night exercise every day. I love that. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah. Highly recommended. Thank you. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, stopping by. Absolutely. Great chatting with you, Candace. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have the time, please rate and review. And you can always hit subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes. I hope to have you back.